the pitch. Oliver wants to throw. He's got Lance Powell open. Up. 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The Buffaloes at four on a 52-yard pass from O.C. Oliver to Lance Powell. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has to a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Munster Tiger, publisher of BuffStampede.com, joined by fan correspondent Tyler Ziskin. Tyler, it's been a little while. We did get out to, to golf not too long ago. Less than a month till the big day. How, how's everything coming together for you and Amy? Uh, it's busy right now, for sure. Um, it's coming along, though. Uh, most of the big stuff is finalized. So beyond that, I think we're pretty much good to go. All right. What else is new with you? Are you getting out there to play a lot of golf? Yeah, definitely. Too much. Um, There's the never benefits. too much golf. One of the benefits and negatives of not having a job is definitely the amount of golf I've been playing. Um, there's too much when you're trying to pay for a wedding. So that's true. Def- that's true. Definitely, yeah. definitely had a few eyes from Amy where she's like, I think that's enough for this week, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we obviously had some bad news uh, recently here with the Pac-12 postponing fall and winter sports until 2021. We're going to do a little segment called buy or sell. I think this is on what PTI or is this uh what, what show is it? Buy or sell this PTI. Yeah. Okay. So or actually, just, no, I think it might be around the horn. Around the horn. Okay. Yeah. Buy or sell Tyler. The PAC 12 made the right decision in postponing the college football season. Um, I'll buy it, but I mean, I guess you, I know this is what I'm supposed to say, but I see both sides of the argument. Um, I think the if they do it and something goes wrong, the league will never recover. Um, I, I know I would say that the odds of that aren't great, but um, yeah, I mean, I think you have to protect yourself in some capacity. And at the end of the day, you're looking out for these kids and these kids aren't adults. I think that's really what separates well, I guess adults, yes, but you know what I mean. They're not professionals, I guess is the right word. Yeah. They, you know, you it's a different ball game than NBA or NFL, you know, where these are professional athletes and they're going to make their own personal choices and they get compensated for what they do and that kind of stuff. Now, we don't need to go into the debate about scholarships and all that. I think that's another argument that has good arguments on both sides. But to me, it's – it's just if something does go wrong, it's going to be a disaster. And I think if people actually come together and put together an actual plan, there's a way that spring football can work and they could make things doable. But obviously it's a frustrating and a difficult situation. 
Yeah, I struggled with this one. And if you look at it from CU's perspective, they put themselves in a position to be able to compete this fall, three weeks without a positive test. And you can make an argument being in a structured environment is safer than these guys not being within kind of a regimented situation going forward. But I am going to, I'm going to simply buy this one because CU can't just play against themselves. And, Right now, today, August 17th, was supposed to be the start of preseason camp for Pac-12 schools. And right now in California, with the restrictions they have, they can't lift weights inside, they can't gather in groups, and they can't touch a football. So I get why the Pac-12 had to make that really, really difficult decision when they did. Now, they shouldn't have lumped winter sports into it, especially we're seeing with the with the the saliva tests that might possibly become available more readily where it'll be a lot cheaper, a lot more rapid testing. We still don't know quite how quickly that could be a possibility, but you know, we don't know what the next couple months are going to look like. So we're going to get into Tad Boyle's frustration a little bit there. That part of it seemed to be a little bit premature, but you can criticize Larry Scott and Patchwell for a lot of things and they deserve a lot of criticism. But in this situation, again, how are you going to tell four schools in, in Arizona has been spiking too. I don't know if their gyms are open. I think, uh, didn't they have some gyms recently? They got in trouble for opening up. So you're yeah. talking about a big percentage of the conference right now that can't go into a preseason camp to, to prepare for a season. Yeah. I would just say you, you brought up the point kind of to some degree. I, I'm not really, it, I think they are safer in a regimented environment, but unfortunately, again, they're students, so they don't get to stay in that regimen and environment every day. Um, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to go out and go to class and hang out with people that aren't being as regimented, and I think that's the issue. It, it doesn't necessarily matter how they're acting. They're on a college campus with 30,000 other kids who don't care, and that's the issue is that at some point along the way, it's going to get back to the team through what could possibly be no fault of their own. Yeah, the frustrating thing about this, Tyler, is the bigger threat to CU students, student athletes right now is the students that are coming back on campus today. Right. More exactly. so than actually competing in sports would be, you know, with mm-hmm. regular testing. And so had had all these schools gone to online learning, I think your chances of having a season would have been better, right? Much higher. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. Much, much higher. Yes. All right. We're going to move along kind of in the same vein. Buy or sell, the Big 12, SEC, and ACC will be able to complete its current plans for a fall football season. Uh, I'm going to buy this, but only because at this point they've made a decision that they're not going to go back on. I don't necessarily agree with the decision, but they're going to deal with the consequences, I think, at this point, Um, especially amongst the group that they're getting a lot of praise for this right now, which I think is a little bit surprising in some regard. I guess I just don't see, unless something catastrophic happens, they're not going to switch their decision because it's too late to at this point. I mean, the damage will already have been done and they're going to ride the wave and, you know, there's going to be people with positive tests. There's going to be drama. There's going to be conspiracy theories, all that kind of stuff associated with it. But at this point, I think they're just kind of pushed through. Yeah, I doubt though that, these three conferences are going to be able to get all the games in that they currently have scheduled right now. That's why when the PAC 12 came out with their schedule, I thought, you know, 10 games is too aggressive. If you had an eight game situation, again, the FDA just approved this uh, saliva 
test for coronavirus. We'll see, you know, they, they say that's cheap. And, and if that's a, as efficient as they hope it is, if you had eight games in there and more flexibility with bye weeks, I think your chances of getting the season in are a lot greater. Uh, there's going to be issues with that. There's just not enough bye weeks in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think the biggest issue throughout this entire virus situation is that we don't really know. Right. I mean, I think every, the presumption right now is that in the fall, things are going to eventually get worse as people are forced back inside because of the weather. Um, you know, that could not happen. We just don't really know. It's not up to us to determine what's going to happen. And of course, the more people that take it seriously and the more people that follow the guidelines, the better off we'll be. And I kind of hope that's the focus for the next four months is, okay, we really did get something taken away that we love. How do we react? Do we complain and bitch and moan about it? Or do we say, okay, that really sucked. Let's actually, it might not be what I want to do or what I think is right. But in order to have football and sports and all these other things in our life, we need to do this to get it over with faster. And I kind of hope that's the approach that everyone takes because otherwise we're going to be here again in the fall and possibly in the spring too. Yeah. And I don't think this will come off as too political, but it is frustrating when you look back to mid March and that was our real opportunity as a country and to just completely blow that, it's just so frustrating, you know, for the people, I know you and Amy, uh, me and my family, we, we took it really seriously early on. And if more people had done that back in March, we wouldn't be in this situation right now. So Absolutely. it kind of pisses me off, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, and it's one of those, I don't really care what you think, right? I mean, what, not you, just any individual, You everybody has their opinion on this. But at the end of the day, there's enough people out there that are making decisions that are going to look out for the entirety of the country. And so if there, if people are concerned overall, these types of decisions are going to continue to be made, whether you agree with them or not. So that's where we're at. And it's not just March. I mean, I think the June issues are even more ridiculous. I mean, we had things to the point where they were getting a lot better and we decided to take our foot off the gas on it. And, you know, Cases, deaths both spiked pretty dramatically in the last two months. They're starting to head back down now. And if, if we had continued that downward trend throughout, we would be in a much better place right now and we'd be playing football games. Well, let's shift over to something that's a little bit more positive. Buy or sell, Lawson Lovering will prove to be the best signing of the Tad Boyle era. Can you clarify something for me? Sure. So there's two ways to look at this, right? Do, do I think – do you want it to be the most impactful college player? Yes, correct. In program history rather than like NBA draft pick? Yeah, correct. The, okay, the so biggest impact on the CU basketball program. Right. So then that my answer to that would be no. And I think it'll be I think Dinwiddie is still that guy um for me in this current moment because it's just a guard's game. Lawson's always going to depend on other people to get him involved in a college atmosphere. Now I will say, I do feel pretty confident he will be the highest drafted player of the tadpole era. So I guess kind of half and half answer, but that's just kind of how I see it. Well, with that footwork and athleticism, he showed uh, over the weekend at that AAU event, maybe he can be a, a seven foot uh, point guard out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, trust me, I, you know, th- there's a lot of positive things that I would say about Lawson Lovering. I do think he's the best player the program has had. But again, I just think the fact that he doesn't play guard, it's going to make him, it makes it a little more difficult to impact games on your own terms as a big man in college. 
it's interesting on the 24-7 sports composite, I think right now he's ranked as the seventh all-time commit in terms of rating. But on 24-7 sports, just our rankings, he'd actually be number one, slightly ahead of Josh Scott. And if he holds there at 54, because Scott was 55 nationally by 24-7 sports. I think he's going to move up. Has he not getting? Has he gotten reevaluated by rivals in ESPN yet? To your There's knowledge, not much to reevaluate right now. I mean, they've done a couple tournaments. That footage you saw um, was from a tournament in Dallas this past weekend. So there was a few things. There were people there. I think typically you don't see a guy move up like a hundred spots in the rankings, right? It's usually kind of a gradual progression throughout the year to make sure that they're making the right choice. I think you'll see him continue to move up as the year goes on, even though there's obviously not a valuation going on right now. Um, I do, I don't know if people realize though, the player he was guarding him in that clip is a five-star center. I think his name is Damian Collins. I forget off the top of my head, but he's like ranked 25th in the country. So that's not a scrub that, that he was going around. Yeah. All right, let's get into some football topics here. Carl Durrell had a conference call with the media last week, the day after the Pac-12's announcement that they were postponing the football season. I got to tell you, Tyler, I felt like Carl Durrell was biting his tongue a lot during that. He kind of paused a few times when asked if he thinks the Pac-12's decision was the right one, and that's understandable. Again, that coaching staff worked really hard to put this team in a position – zero positive tests in the athletic department for three weeks. And he even admitted there, they had some social distancing issues at one point uh, that was, I want to say that would have been really early summer. And so they, they put that together and they were doing walkthroughs. They were kind of ramping up for, for camp. And if it was just the situation, the way it is in Colorado right now, they would have been allowed to, to start camp. Obviously we talked about some of the issues in the other Pac-12 cities, uh, but boy, did, did you have any takeaways from that? I, I definitely sense some fr- frustration from him. Yeah, and of course there's going to be, right? I mean, they're obviously a little too close to the situation. You know, that you're always going to be frustrated when you have something taken away from you personally, um, whether, whether your opinion about it was positive or negative going into it, right? I mean, I think, A, I talk about this a lot on different podcasts and just in conversations I've had with people. I think football is the toughest to deal with here because there are long-term effects to playing football every year, not just this year. Now this year, obviously there's a different element to it, but people play football and coach football knowing that there's long-term risk. Um, That's just part of the game. There has been that obviously the concussion discussions for the last 10 years or more have been a big part of the sport. They've made changes to the game in order to get away from that, all that stuff. So I think just kind of it's built into the DNA of a football player that they'll play through almost anything. Yeah. So I think in ter- in general, the sport is going to be more against making, you know, health conscious decisions, I guess at this point, that's just kind of how I view it. Um, I'm sure they're frustrated. We're all frustrated, right? I mean, I don't think anyone is thrilled that that's where we are right now. I think it's the tough thing, the things you don't think about about being in a conference, right? We're not, we don't get to play based on what Colorado is going through, which has been, especially in the last three months, among the best states in the country at handling the virus. A lot of other places are going bananas in some aspect, and Colorado has been very low cases, deaths, all that stuff for a long time now. So 
it's unfortunate because they've done things the right way, or at least they seem to be doing things the right way. I mean, I think part of the issue that Colorado State story and, you know, North Carolina and Clemson and all those, you just, I'm not sure everyone is going to tell you exactly what's going on inside their program. And I think that's an additional aspect that concerns people. So it's tough because Colorado feels like they have done everything they needed to do, but unfortunately you can't make a decision based on just that. You have to think about everyone else's situation too. He doesn't seem to love the idea of a spring football season. You know, obviously expressed concerns about the wear and tear that would put on players. If you're going to do a spring season, you got to assume you're going to have to shorten the fall season as well. Uh, So that'll be interesting to to kind of chart going forward. He did mention that Nate Lamon and Katie Nixon asked to have private conversations with him. So it's going to be tough even for good players to find landing spots just because most of those players, most of those programs in those three power five leagues that are playing and play right now, you you can't imagine there's a ton of open scholarships out there. But you know, that's something to, to chart going forward, too. It would be a real shame if we don't get to see Nate Lamon in a CU uniform again. Yeah, absolutely. It would be very difficult. Well, CU had some uh, commits here in recent weeks. Drew Carter, they got their quarterback commit. Kalen Moore from California. Oaks Christian, second year in a row they've, they've plucked a recruit out of that high school in California. And Joshua Bryan, uh, the number one ranked kicker by Chris Taylor, they actually just announced that he – is their first ever six-star prospect. And I'm speaking of Josh Bryan there. I don't know. Chris Saylor, I respect him a lot, but they're getting a little wacky with these these rankings now. Yeah, man. Can't just have the five-star. Got to do something new and hip. <laughs> well, where, where does it end? Do, do we have ten stars at some <laughs> so point? Pretty soon, yes, we will, I'm sure. <laughs> well, what are your thoughts there? I, I think Drew Carter was kind of a polarizing, uh, you know, commit yeah. on the board. Yeah. But, I mean, there's definitely upside potential there. There's no doubt about that. But, yeah, I mean, I think there were guys out there that we liked more. I think I'll be honest. I mean, there's definitely guys out there that I liked more. Um, It's interesting that, you know, we continue to go after other quarterbacks that we hadn't really heard that previous. Um, So I think it it does surprise me a little bit that we're going that route. it makes me wonder if that's because we got Carter and we're trying to go after another guy or if that was the plan all along. Um, you know, Brendan Lewis makes this quarterback class maybe less important, I guess, out of all the other years. You know what I mean? If he, if he's the guy. Um, you know, you can, you can skip a class and not feel too bad about it if he's really the guy. Uh, you know, and – We'll just have to see how it plays out. But, yeah, I mean, he wasn't the first choice for me. What makes this tricky is that even if Brennan Lewis is your guy going forward and he you still have a depth issue, right? You've got Sam Neuer going into his senior year. Tyler Lytle's going to be a junior. And so you've got to somehow create some depth in there, no matter how good Brennan Lewis is. And that's a tricky thing because obviously only one guy can get on the field and Every recruit wants to hear that they have a chance to come in and compete. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a delicate situation in terms of, you know, bringing these guys in. If they if they do bring in two guys. Now, I would think it would be interesting if Mike Chandler the second the walk-on, comes in and he's legit. Then all of a sudden your concern isn't as, as high there because he would be a guy that on film kind of almost looks like he's scholarship caliber. 
Yeah, um, I don't really know the answer to this, but has the plan all along been to put him in the quarterback room or are they trying to use him in a little more of an athlete role or is it just one of those we'll have to wait and see? I think he's going to get us. I think he's going to get a legit chance at quarterback, yeah. Okay. Now, obviously, you, you're going to tell a recruiting parents what sometimes what they want to hear during the recruiting process, but Carl Durant and the staff have seemingly been pretty honest and they've been pretty adamant and they recruited the heck out of Mike Chandler the second. You don't often hear of coaching staffs taking, you know, having long hour long conversations with walk-on candidates. So they put a lot Mm -hmm. of work in because he did have New Mexico after him, both for football and basketball. I think he's a guy, if he had gone to Lamar junior college could have possibly blown up. So it's kind of a coup for CU to get him as a walk-on. And we usually don't even pay that close of attention to walk-ons. That's, how good he looks on film. Yeah, the whole process was kind of surprising to me. I mean, is it just that he's undersized? Because it's not like he played at a school that there wasn't a lot of eyeballs on him. So it's not really like you should have fallen under the radar. Yeah, I had a conversation with his dad, and it was confusing to them. Now, recruiting can often be a copycat situation, right? What happens if Mike Chandler II gets a Power 5 option early on in the process? Does that change how other schools view him and evaluate him? You see that happen with a lot of guys. Uh, so it's hard to say. His, he's definitely on the shorter end, uh, but he led two different high schools to district championships, was a unanimous district player of the year, uh, really good basketball player, good athlete. So I'm anxious to, to see and hear more about him uh, in, the, in the future. But, yeah, it, it sounds like CU could potentially take another high school quarterback. Danny Langsdorf told Maddox Cop that, hey, I'm still going to recruit you as hard as I was before Drew Carter committed. But uh, it looks like with him in particular, either Ole Miss or Houston is most likely where he's going to go. Those those two schools don't have a quarterback commit yet. But, yeah, you've got uh, Cameron Friel that's committed to UNLV right now that I'm sure they're, they're still going to keep recruiting. So that'll be interesting to see. But it's going to be really hard, I think, to flip Friel now that you've already got a quarterback on board. Right, yeah, that's why I guess I'll, if you're going to take two, I'm surprised they – got Carter on board so early because of that type of situation. But, I mean, I guess you got to take one. You can't wait forever. Caleb Elam's or appears to be down to Colorado and Cal. He's a top 20 recruit in California by 24-7 sports. Obviously, Brian Michalowski landed a, a, a big pass rusher last recruiting cycle in Jason Harris. If he can get Elam's or on there, then uh, he's done as good a job as any recruiter on the staff the, the last couple of years. For sure. It would, you know, one time is one time, but to what, two years in a row, that's more of a trend. So, yeah, you would have to start um, giving him a lot of credit more than he even gets, I think, for what he's done because that's I think that's a position that changes programs. I mean, if you have legitimate pass rushers year in and year out, you have a pretty good chance to win football games and create some havoc. It's an interesting dynamic, too, there with Cal. Obviously, it's close to home. His mom went there, but they've got a couple outside linebackers on board already. His commits, actually, both guys that, that CU went after as well. So uh, that, that'll be an interesting battle to, to watch going forward. You ready for uh, another discussion on Antonio Alfano, Tyler? Uh, sure. <laughs> we hear he's uh, working his way into the back, his way back into the good graces of CU football, CU student of the week. Uh, the staff though, right? I mean, we all saw the players' reactions to that, right? Yeah. I mean, we can't ignore that. No. So I still temper expectations for folks out Absolutely. there. If somebody hasn't shown over the course of time that they can be consistent, show up every day, work hard. But uh, I mean, he was the number one ranked 
recruiting the entire country in 2019. So as long as he's still within, you know, the realm of, of possibly playing for the buffs, it's something we're going to have to keep talking about. That's up to you, my guy. I just I just show up to these podcasts. I'll, if you want to talk about Antonio Alfano, I'll be glad to. But I think I've made my position fairly clear okay. on the subject. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you uh, participated in our top 30 buffs countdown. How did you feel like that turned out? No surprise at the top. Nate Lamb unanimous right. pick there. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, we all have disagreements, which I think is – that's good, right? I mean, I think you want to have people that have differing opinions. There are a couple – guys that were a little lower or higher than I would have said maybe. Uh, but overall, I think they, because of the averages, it works out. I don't think there was anybody egregiously over or under-ranked. Now, we know that's going to be wrong. I mean, some, someone will end up way too high on the list and way too low. They always do. But, yeah, I mean, I think it was a good collection. And it, it, overall, I think it reminds you that we have some elite younger pieces for sure, um, but maybe not that senior leadership that you would want to see. In, in, a, in a year that's coming, it's a transition year, right? So, yes, I think the team overall has responded very well to that and handled it with a lot of grace and maturity. But still, it's a little bit easier sometimes when you have a 25-person senior class there that can really right the ship because the coaches can't be there all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I felt overall with this list – there was better depth than we'd had. We've had some years, and but not quite as much. Maybe you know, top end NFL type talent at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was kind of my main reaction uh, to our list. Rest in peace, Betty Hoover and Herb Orvis. Buffs lost a couple great ones here in recent weeks. Obviously, everybody knows Betty and Peggy, the the twins, and and there's just their overwhelming spirit that they show, and just how incredible. They've been at supporting the program. I think it was on your freeballing podcast, Tyler. Somebody said something along the lines of, yeah, she was 95, lived a great life, but maybe there's just some people that deserve to live forever. And I think, yeah, that was me. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, you, you have to celebrate obviously someone who makes it 95 years. That's special, you know, but at the same time, I do feel that way. It's, there are some people that just don't, deserve to be taken off the planet ever. And she, well, both her and her twin sister, obviously are in that category. Um, You know, I don't always approach life with that same happiness and positive attitude. So every time I see them, it's a nice reminder of their other way, you know, like it's okay to be a little bit happier. Like you don't have to be frustrated every time something goes wrong. Like you're out here, you're out here as a fan. And I, I always, I like every year I feel like I try to find myself trying to be a little more positive and a little more supportive and all of that, because at the end of the day, that really does lift kids up and, you know, they're college kids, you know, I mean, it's, we all want to win. We all want to be perfect. That's not realistic though. And even when things go bad, having the positive outlook on life that they always did, I mean, show up at every game. I think Ryan Konigsberg um, had a picture on Twitter about, those two were at the Auburn game when we were a part of the 24 hour tip off marathon with ESPN till like one o'clock in the morning. Like that's kind of stuff. You just don't see that. Like they'll be a part of the program for 50 more years because of what they meant. There are people on campus who know who those two are, but couldn't tell you what the coach's name is. Yeah. I think there's a, a movement on Twitter, right? To try to get them a statue somewhere. Yeah, they sh- absolutely. They should. And I saw someone also said that they should be put into the CU Sports Hall of Fame, which I agree with 100% as well. That would be amazing. Yeah. Herb Orvis, he was, he was all-time leader in sacks when he 
exhausted his eligibility. College Football Hall of Famer. Long battle with Parkinson's disease touches home with me. That's something my father's been battling, and it's just brutal what that does to, to folks. And so, uh, you know, hopefully he's in a better place. But uh, we did a CU all-time draft here recently, and he was an early pick for me. He was a guy – back in those days, you didn't have the huge sack numbers that, that mm. you started to see. And so he, he was an incredible player back in his day. At 6'5", back in his era, he was kind of a giant out there. Yeah, not kind of a giant. <laughs> he was absolutely a giant. A uh, different size man for someone who played that long ago. Obviously, as a younger guy and someone who didn't get into CU until college, I never got to see much of him. I mean, I've met, I met him one time at a CU event. And he was a really nice guy. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. To, to, I feel like it's been a bad five or ten year stretch for Colorado, not just the last couple of weeks. I mean, we've lost some big names. And, you know, I'm getting to that age now where, of course, that happens more often and maybe I'm just not used to it. There's probably, you know, you get to this point where people start going every single year once you get into adulthood. So I'm sure I'll get more used to it. But it does feel like a bad stretch. Herb Orvis, you mentioned him being a great guy. I remember when he was getting announced as an inductee to the College Football Hall of Fame, he had to do a press conference at CU and he was almost kind of had this like humble demeanor too much. So like he didn't deserve it or anything, you know, he was just that, that type of guy. So uh, hope, again, hopefully he's in a better place he was, here. He was definitely very unassuming. Yeah. Like, if you just met him on the street, you would never know that he was a college football hall of fame. Played 10 years in the NFL. Yeah. Well, it's the 10 year anniversary of 24 seven sports. So we're running a promo on buffstampede.com. You get 50% off a annual subscription. There's still, Recruiting to cheer for there. There's not games, unfortunately, this fall, but we're still going to be on top of the recruiting coverage. So if you haven't given us a try before, this is a great opportunity. If you can go in to iTunes and rate this podcast, that helps get this in front of more CU fans. And Tyler, hopefully they're subscribing to the free ball and pod as well. You guys have been a little bit more active with that recently, kind of break down your plans with, with that podcast going forward. Yeah, we're trying. I mean, obviously, it's a tough time to be active with podcasts, but um, we're trying. I mean, we re- recently started uh, Patreon, so now there's people that can subscribe to subscribe to the podcast. So we definitely have we owe it to those people, obviously, to keep things going. So I think right now our current project is we're doing a lot of flash pods, which is basically a shorter version of a podcast. Right now, we're going through all of the incoming basketball recruits. Uh, we were in the process of trying to go through all the football recruits leading up to the season. But of course, now that the year is canceled, we'll have to decide if we want to push those out a little bit more. Um, we're just going to talk about, you know, how this affects us and just keep trying to stay active in the sports community, try to get creative and do some different things um, to entertain people, I think. And, you know, ultimately for us, it's fun. You know, it's not going to be a lifestyle or a job for any of us. We're just out there trying to be, you know, good CU fans and and have good conversations and meet people through it. So that's really all we're looking for. Definitely recommend listening to the Tad Boyle era draft. That was a fun show you guys did. And enjoy the one about Eskia Booker. I, You know, I was very critical of him when he didn't show up uh, to support his teammates in that CBI game, but enough time has passed now that I think right. hopefully people can look at more of the positives of, of his career to you. And you yeah. guys touched on that quite a bit. For sure. And I, I think I especially feel that way. I mean, I was definitely tougher on him when he was here. Um, but yeah, I think again, these things that you learn as you get older, you're always going to look back on those memories with 
positive thoughts, right? I mean, you know, that's, I think that's really what stands out as time goes on. So yeah, I definitely have a lot more fond memories of a skiing now. Let's jump into the Buff Stampede mailbag. Buffin asked, does the football program use the new time off to fit in another heavy strength cycle similar to winter off season? What do you think the odds are of an NFL season? So on the heavy strength cycle, I, I would think that's most likely. Now, we, I asked Carl Jarrell what their plan is going forward. I think part of the problem is they don't know quite what's going to be allowed. Right now, they do have those 20 hours, but they're not able to get out there and put pads on, obviously. So I think it would be kind of tailored around that. They're hoping, both Rick George and, Lane, and uh, Carl Jarrell, is that they'll be able to maybe have spring practices in the fall, kind of that setup somewhere along the lines of 15 practices, maybe being able to do a scrimmage. If they're able to do that, then that's going to obviously change what they do in the weight room and kind of the timetable there. So it's yet to be determined really at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the interesting thing about everyone's worried about how it's going to break down students' bodies. Well, they didn't have spring ball. So, I mean, they're definitely well-rested. And if you take away a little bit of practice time and play more games – you know, ultimately you're going to be doing the same amount of strenuous work. They just have to be creative about it. Um, you know, do they need to play 32 games in a year? No, they obviously don't need to do that. But I do think there are ways you can get it done. I, I kind of look at it as you have to sort of pretend like the entire team is coming back from injury. You know, a, a guy's out for the year. What's the year-long process? How do you get them ready to go for the next time they're going to be ready to play? What's that? long-term outlook I think that's probably I I don't listen I don't know anything about working out I haven't done it since I was young I'm not going to sit here and lie coach Wilson I'm sure has a way 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 better idea of what's going to happen but to me that's that's the outlook that I initially thought of okay the team's all injured we have five months to get them back healthy what's the regiment that you're going to put in place yeah, I do think now that these camp- they, these uh, regular students are back on campus, you're probably going to want to stick with smaller groups, right, to work out because otherwise mm-hmm. you could see real issues with, a, you know, a whole team-wide breakout. Uh, yeah, we'll see. In terms of the NFL, I mean, it definitely seems like the season's going to start and then it kind of all depends on is there this massive second spike in the country. And, and But there's so much money at stake there and it's a different thing. You can have these guys opt out, replace them, and, and it's it's an apples to oranges obviously, comparison, obviously, with college football. Yeah, and I think NFL will happen. Uh, for the same reason I answered before about the other conferences that are playing, um, they'll deal with the consequences. Uh, they're going to be – they're always the only game in town, I feel like. They'll be even more so this year. Um, yeah. And I think sports are doable, but the fan aspect is the concern for me. I would be surprised and disappointed if they allow fans into the stadiums. That's, that's where the line is drawn for me. I think at this point, obviously it hurts the bottom line, but the NFL is much more viable, obviously in a bubble situation, which isn't doable like the NFL or the NBA and NHL are doing. So in order to make it work, you're going to have to be around as few people as possible throughout the process. And I think that's part of it, but I would be absolutely shocked at this point if the NFL doesn't finish the year. I do think I'm going to have to go through Twitter and unfollow everybody that covers the Broncos. Cause every time I see a practice update, it, it makes me a little teary eyed. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough to see that. Uh, I miss football so much. Yeah. You don't get practice updates though anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> at least we, you know, 
are interviewing with guys and, and gearing up to, yeah. to cover a season. So maybe you, you got an entire year to work on Carl. <laughs> see, see if we can get that switched up. All right. Along the lines of the last question, Optimus Prime Buff asked, I would like to know how Coach Wilson is going to keep the players focused on training and staying in shape. It has to be especially hard not knowing if there will be football next spring or maybe not until the fall of 2021. Are the coaches limited in terms of how much time they can spend with players from everything from lifting, academic work, counseling, et cetera? So that 20-hour rule breaks down to uh, working out. I don't know if that includes counseling. That might be a separate uh, allotment of time there. But, uh, yeah, right now I think about 20 hours. They were doing walkthroughs. They're kind of dialing back from that because there's no camp to prepare for. So uh, we kind of touched on the Coach Wilson stuff. I mean, that's his job, right, to motivate these guys. And so it's he's been put in a bad situation, as as every strength coach has here since, since March. But uh, he seems to be doing a pretty good job of it. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think they will do as much as they, they possibly can, especially – if the numbers stay lower here in Colorado. GA Buff asked, Boulder can get a ton of snow in the spring. How would the athletic department manage that for spring football? So that's a good thing about football, right? Is you can play in snow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's going to be cold. Wear a jacket, you know, like I don't, there's not much you can do. Obviously the groundskeeping crew at Folsom is among the best Um, in terms of practice. Obviously, we have the indoor practice facility, so that's not a huge issue there. Um, but, yeah, on game day, I mean, I do feel like the last couple of falls, there's been some crazy weather. I mean, I, mean, I remember a pretty big snowstorm. I remember a couple of huge rainstorms during games. One of the games, it was like a million degrees. Another one, it was like 30. So <laughs> the weather can get pretty volatile any, anyways. Yeah, the spring is a little bit more so for sure. But I think uh, if we get to play in the spring, every game will be sold out and people will show up in whatever weather there is because they'll be missing football big time. Yeah, there's things that could prevent there from being a spring football season, but weather's not going to be it. <laughs> no. Optimus Prime Buff asked for updates on Cherry Creek recruits Al Ashford and Arthur Walker, or Arden Walker, I should say. Arthur is his father. Uh, I'm going to have a new update on Ashford coming your way pretty soon. Walker, it sounds like Texas might have the lead in his recruitment right now, but – he hasn't been able to get out there to Austin because of the dead period. CU's definitely still in the mix there. Uh, I wouldn't write that off completely, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Ashford, I mean, if he takes too much longer, they're, they're going to fill up. They've already got quite a few DBs on board. Yeah, we'll just have to see. It would be, I mean, Creek has been a big pipeline for us, so hopefully we can find a way. Um, both of those two are kind of right on the cusp. You know, I mean, Arden, we saw a camp last summer. Was that? Yeah. Yeah. And Feels like liked, 10 years ago, but yeah. 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 Um, and we liked him quite a bit. I mean, there was other, some other guys there that uh, we didn't like as much and that we haven't recruited in Colorado. We've since seen them fall down the rankings a bit. Uh, I, I don't think he's a surefire starter at the next level, but I, I think he's a guy that you definitely want to take a chance on. Obviously, he's a legacy commit too. So you know, they, they might not like everything that he has in terms of size. If, I feel like that's the biggest issue is they feel like he's a bit of a tweener. But, yeah, um, it does see, it does seem like in recent weeks the they've started to pump up the volume on him a little bit, I guess you would say, and we'll see if we can find a way to get it done. You've seen most college football programs, it seems like, go to more of a three-man front because it allows for more versatility. But mm-hmm. if I was Arden Walker, I might try to seek out an opportunity 
if I can get a power five school that runs a four man front to, I think he would fit in a little bit better as a traditional right. defensive end to your point there. Yeah. Optimus prime buff also asked, are the Broncos going to do the right thing and reward Phil Lindsay with a new and much bigger contract? Does John Elway have the final say regarding a new contract for Phillip? So it, Tyler, you follow the NFL closer than me. It's pretty rare for an NFL team to pay a player until they have to, right? Yeah, I mean, again, this probably isn't a question for me and you, but um, I'll do my best with it. I'm not a Broncos guy either. What I would say is they didn't bring in Melvin Gordon for nothing. Uh, They obviously want to have somebody else in that room. Uh, I, I think they definitely should pay Phil but also he's a running back in the NFL who's undersized. So I'm not necessarily, um, I'm not sure they will pay Phil, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, That will piss off the fans, but that's just kind of how the NFL goes. I will be interested to see how they use him and Melvin Gordon this year, because I think if he's a legitimate backup, that's going to go poorly. I don't see how that works. And, you know, Melvin Gordon is a fantastic player. He has a lot of health issues, so we'll have to see if he stays healthy. But they can use both of those guys next to each other, you know, tag team, however you want to do it. But, yeah, I think Phil has earned a paycheck, but that's just not how the NFL works. The NFL only pay – you know, you you better be good while your contract is up. That's the only chance you're going to get. Yeah, and he's going to be a restricted – free agent after this coming season so they can match offers there. So there was never a point where, you know, they had to pay him right now again. And Pat Shermer, I'm not a Broncos insider either, but their new offense coordinator sounds like he really likes running backs that can catch the ball to the backfield. And so if Phil can show that he can do really well in that area, I know I saw one of the interviews at the very end of last season, Phil Lindsay said that was a top priority for him going in the off season was to get better as a receiver out of the backfield. If he can do that, if it doesn't happen with the Broncos, somebody's going to pay him eventually if he keeps putting together the yeah. yards per carry average that he's been putting together. Well, there's no doubt he'll get a second contract. I just think the issue is even the very best running backs in the NFL don't get paid, or at least not what they deserve. It's a position that, for whatever reason, the NFL has decided is replaceable. And obviously, he's a guy at his size that he's never going to be in every down back, at least not in the way that some guys are. So his salary potential is somewhat limited. I mean, you know, he was an undrafted free agent, so he's going to get a second contract and obviously do way better than 95% of people in the NFL thought he could ever dream of. Um, He will get paid, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's not going to get eight to $10 million a year. Yeah. I will say I'm not a huge NFL guy, but I've enjoyed watching the Broncos about 10 times as much as I used to uh, with Philip Lindsay on there. So from Mm -hmm. a feel good standpoint, Hopefully it works itself out long-term because uh, it, w- it would suck to see him suit up in another NFL jersey. Unless it's the Browns. Natty <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Zaddy asked, if you had one cuisine to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? All right. So I always am curious, is cuisine, uh, are we talking like style of food or are we talking one specific item? I take cuisine to be broader, to be okay. you know, a style of food. Yeah. Um, so to me, Italian is probably what I would go off for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. Big fan. I think from a taste standpoint, I 100% agree with you. Give me all the pasta, ravioli, penne bolognese, seafood, 
pasta, love it all. I feel like my lifespan is going to be pretty short, though, if I'm eating Italian food for every meal. I don't know, man. Those Italians are pretty old out there. They're doing something right. We just have to de-Americanize it. Okay. I think, though, if this was a real-life scenario for where I am right now here in Colorado, I'd pick Mexican just because between tacos and you know burrito bowls, you could actually find a nice variety. You probably wouldn't get sick of it that quick like you would a lot of foods, and then you know, you can make it healthy. You can put guacamole on there and veggies. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to live a little longer than a Italian only cuisine. Mm-hmm. I feel like, <laughs> but taste wise, no question. I'll readily admit that. Well, so I don't eat cheese anymore. So it, three yeah. years ago, if you had asked me, I would have said Mexican for sure. I mean, obviously it's still good without cheese, but there's a few obvious items that I can no longer eat at make it not worth my time. I would just be torturing myself if I could only eat Mexican for the rest of my life at this point. I could eat carne asada street tacos like for every meal every day. Yeah. All right. Cheyenne DeBuff asked, in general, as you speak to football questions on canceling the football season, it'd be nice if you layer in the basketball side of recent events too. So the basketball program has had zero positive tests since the Majority of their scholarship athletes returned to campus in early June. McKinley Wright was training in Arizona, and then Tristan De Silva has not been able to make it over from Germany yet. So um, on the football side, we talked a little about this a little bit earlier. I, I get Tad Boyle's frustration as to why, why do they have to get lumped in with this football announcement right now? Because we don't know what it's going to look like in, in two months from now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's definitely – you know, among like all the other COVID stuff, of course it's arbitrary because we're all guessing, but this feels especially arbitrary. They're just like, oh, January, we can start talking about stuff again. Well, how do you know January is going to be any better than November or April? Or, you know, we don't know. I think the problem is, of course, the general consensus, we talked about this earlier too, is that the fall is going to get worse. So why are they going to even try to play in November when things are bad now? we think down the line they're going to get worse. Right. But you know, we canceled March madness four days in advance. You can do the same thing for the start of basketball season two. There's really, in my opinion, no reason to make this decision so far leading up to the season. Now, if you had asked me, do I think they would be able to start college basketball in November? My answer would have been no. Um, But play it out and let's see, maybe someone will change their mind and we can actually have a plan and make some of this possible. But yeah, I was surprised to see it canceled through January. What you really hope is Bill Self and KU are still going to come to the CU Event Center sometime soon because that would have been a fun day there. But if this saliva testing is as cheap as they say it is and it proves to be pretty efficient, it's going to be easier with basketball than it would football just from the sheer number of athletes that, that compete, I would feel like. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's more difficult fan-wise because obviously you're playing indoors, which is definitely not – the approach that you want. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of Coors Event Center's ventilation system, but based on experience, it's not great. <laughs> so um, do you I would remember, say that do, would be difficult. Do you, do you remember the day where they gave out free bacon? <laughs> yes. And the entire arena just had bacon scent. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I hadn't eaten breakfast that day. That was torture. Yeah, as soon as, soon as uh, 25 people show up, it's already hot in there. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that's a place where you want fans if there are issues with the virus. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, I, feel, I feel like as time goes on, I get more and more – I feel bad for McKinley Wright, who 
would have been and still is hopefully going to be one of the most revered Colorado basketball players ever. And by the time he's done, he's going to have an entire season taken away from him. Uh, you know, stats, records, all that kind of stuff, just in, in terms of legacy. I mean, he obviously – he would have made the NCAA tournament, but it's not going to say that on his resume when things are done. Yeah. Shia DeBuff also asked, how do you see the rest of the CU basketball recruiting class building out? Where do you see the young roster slash commits fitting in? So right now they do have two commits for 2021, both four-star guys, Lawson Lovering and Quincy Allen. And they're going to sign at least three more guys for the, the following season. What would that be? 2021, 22 season. Mm-hmm. Um, so and th- there's quite a few guys out there that are still kind of looking at, at CU Javon Ruffin. He's a combo guard from new Orleans. His dad played in the NBA. He's part of the Pelicans organization. Is his dad, uh, Michael Ruffin? Yes. Oh, yep. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, keep an eye on French guard. Adama Bull, hopefully I pronounced his name right. He might opt to play for professionally, though, so we'll see there. Obina Onyanwu, a four-star prospect from California. I'm going to do a more in-depth dive on kind of where, where things look with CU men's basketball, so kind of tease it a little bit there. But uh, now now your expectations are, are kind of running wild, I would think, with these two <laughs> guys on commit uh, committed right now. Yes. In terms of where the class is going to go, they have five spots. So I think the most obvious answer is they'll probably try to get a guy to play each position or at least, you know, someone that fits into that mold. Uh, you always need a point guard. I'll tell you in every single class and that you need a point guard in your class. So they, they need that. Um, you know, you need a, You need that floor general, someone who can get, uh, especially Lawson Lovering, who's a big man, going to got to be able to find a way to get him the ball in the post. So, um, a five-man class in college is huge. Um, you don't you don't see that very often. That's pretty unusual. Um, I don't. Maybe they won't even take five guys. We'll have to see because you do want to kind of spread it out a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I think the options are out there right at this point. I mean, they have two electric commits. They're typically success breeds success. So there's going to be kids around the country like, oh, I want to play with those two guys. Yeah, you want this to be the best shooting class that Tad Boyle's had. It's trending in that direction. That's a fun thing to put in Quincy Allen's film and just watch him stroke it because I think if there's one, you know, strong criticism of Tad Boyle recruiting, it's been that he's gone for versatility and athleticism, no more than shooters. And uh, Lovering as a seven footer can can shoot it too. So uh, that's the part that I want to see them get one more shooter in this class and, and really have that no longer be a major criticism of Tad Boyle. McKinley, right? You mentioned he pulled out of the NBA draft. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? He was training out in Arizona, especially with the season getting postponed. That's not a big deal from a, a team continuity standpoint because I, I believe, obviously, he's out in Boulder now. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, he's, you know, he, I think that he was never going to the NBA this year. He's just not that type of player, at least not at this point in his career. Um, he's going to have to become a better shooter if he wants to take that next step to the NBA level. So I think. No real surprise that he's coming back, but obviously it's huge for the program. Um, I mean, he's he's massive. He's the biggest thing that we've got right now and one of the best CU players ever. So, I mean, he's a great college guard, and he has a chance to improve. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. I hope his senior season somehow gets everything he deserves because, man, he deserves a lot more than he's gotten in the past year or so. And uh, we'll just have to see how it plays out. But, yeah, I mean, I think this team has a chance to be – 
pretty solid at the very least um, if, if things do get to the point where we can play this year. Evan Batty was selected to a group of basketball players. It's a group of players that they're going to meet and provide feedback on college basketball issues. Can't think of a better yeah. representative for, for a panel like that. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I, you know, regardless of what his basketball career does for him, I mean, I can't wait to see what he does in life because Evan Batty is a extremely special kid and he's going to change the world in some way for sure. And him and McKinley already have, uh, you know, a back and forth going as to who's going to coach the buffs in the future. Yeah. All right. Before we sign off with this show, we're going to do a few off topic subjects here. We're going to have to sprinkle in this stuff because obviously with uh, less football to talk about with no season, it's, it's going to be a little bit challenging. We're going to have to get creative with it here. Tyler, you're, you're a big movie guy. Yeah. And Somebody, somebody I, that we know is it Will they used to criticize you that you like really bad movies. Ty- Tyler Murray. Tyler, Tyler Murray. Murray. Okay. Ter- Tyler Murray loves to hate on how terrible. I'll watch anything. I'm not going to sit here and deny that. I mean, I, okay. I could watch almost anything. But all right, so we're going to give each other our top three movies that we like that are not very critically acclaimed. I guess favorite bad movies in in air quotes. Yeah. What do you got? What do you got? I, I don't me? know if any of these are bad. And I, I told you off air. I don't know if any of these are critically acclaimed because I don't, I'm, like I said, I'll watch anything. So I don't pay attention to that stuff. Okay. Uh, the first one for me is the John Wick series. Uh, okay. Incredible. Keanu Reeves. The, I don't, I don't think any of the three made that much money, but especially the first one got like nothing in theaters. I feel like it has kind of a cult following now, um, but unbelievable series. All right. I, I'm going to say the internship with Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson. Randomly, that'll be on the guide on the TV. And that's one of those movies that uh, I think it was, I wrote down, it had a 34% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's like, it, it does its job as a comedy. It makes me laugh. So I like that one. Yeah, I like that we're taking different approaches to this because I don't, I don't know what any of these are on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Um, Kingsman. Okay. which there's been a couple of those in the last few years. Uh, super entertaining, mildly funny, just like mindless, great entertainment. All right. I haven't seen any any of these yet, so I'm going to have to put them on my list. You never saw John Wick? I did not. Oh, no. bro. All right. Passengers with Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence only had a 31 critic score. Kind oh, of an really? original plot line. I don't know. That That had me hooked. I mean, yeah. it was a, re- a real dick move by Chris Pratt to wake her up. But <laughs> yes, um, I I enjoyed that movie as well. I didn't realize that that didn't get good reviews. I feel like yeah. it made a ton of money. Okay. So I don't know, but I I don't know if that's true. But I feel like there everybody was going to see that at the time. Um, I, I have a couple extra ones too, so we'll see what we get there. You can tell me whether or not these are critically acclaimed or not. Okay. Uh, my next one is Madagascar, which okay. is one of my favorite cartoon, whatever you however you want to describe that movies of all time pure entertainment with three young kids there's like this varying degree of how annoying animated <laughs> movies are and that's that's not annoying so that's that's a that's a big winner right there. i'm a big disney and cartoon guy so all like you could put ice age in there all that stuff i love all those kind of movies okay get hard with will ferrell and kevin hart <laughs> Those two guys by themselves can sometimes be too much, but something about that chemistry in that movie had me laughing quite a bit. Only a 28% ridiculous. 
critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. I feel like you're in the genre. One I almost put on there was Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. Did you see that movie? No. Oh, man. It's like similarly stupid comedy that I somehow enjoyed. Pretty awesome. One that I was going to put on this list but actually has a higher score on Rotten Tomatoes than I thought is Keanu. Did you ever see that? No. With Key and Peele? You, yeah. you put that on your list. It's fun. Okay, I'll watch that. All right, yeah. so I, the last one that I had on here, and I'm sure it must have been critically acclaimed, but I feel like no one ever talks about it, is American History X, which is one of my mm-hmm. favorite movies ever, but I don't have any idea if other people agree with that or not. I think that's pretty highly acclaimed. Okay. Yeah, that's, I I, that's, why, that's why I left it for the end. Okay. All right, next up, I want to get your top burger joints in Colorado, Tyler. I shared mine recently on Twitter. Mine are the Jiffy Burger at the Dark Horse in Boulder. And the jalapeno cream cheese burger at my brother's bar in Denver. Those are one A, one B in my book. Yeah, so those are two that you have to obviously discuss for sure. I mean, those are definitely the two that are up there. I mean, I think the sink in Boulder has a good burger as well. There's good burgers everywhere, although I, I will readily admit I'm not typically like I'm not gonna get a burger in most places I go. Okay. The one place that I do always get one right now um, is Sloan's and Highland Tappan Burger. You, you can there's multiple locations, whichever one you want to go to. They have great burgers. The one that I usually get is the tap burger. It's got onion rings, pulled pork. It's great stuff. Okay. Cherry Cricket's obviously famous for a reason. They've got good burgers there. Uh, Lark Burger I like in Boulder. I think I think that's a Colorado-specific thing. I was, I was trying to kind of keep it more towards Colorado-only places. Mountain Sun in Boulder has good burgers. Uh, Bud's Bar in mm, – That's a good one. Uh, where, where's Bar, that located? Sedalia. Yeah, great. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people were hitting that up on my, my mentions, and so yeah. I, I'm going to have to try that. Oh, you haven't been? It's, it is no. very good. They don't do fries there, which is personally uh, slight for me, but it's just kind of their thing. They do potato chips. Got to get okay. potato chips with your burger, but it is awesome. Steuben's in Denver was just recently picked, and I forget the publication. I haven't tried their burger yet, so I'm going to have to Steuben's? try that. Yeah, not, yeah, I don't think I've ever had lunch there. I always get brunch, yeah. breakfast food. So you're back into sports cards. What's going on there, Tyler? Well, I'm bored. I don't have a job, for one, um, which is not a good time to get into sports cards because it's expensive. And I basically have to tell myself like every day that I can't go buy more things. Um, but I love it. It's it, I, I've been trying to get them from my parents' house for a couple of years now, so it's not just the break that has caused me to do this, but the break did allow me to go to New York to go get them and look through everything. And it took about four seconds before I was like, wow, this is incredible. And it's not only the expensive stuff where you, you, know, you get the autographs or whatever, but there's a lot, especially for me, because I have a ton of stuff from my childhood, that era, where you're just like looking at cards of guys that you grew up watching and loved. And I have a ton of Indians and Cavs and Browns stuff. It's like, oh man, I, you, know, you forgot about this guy or this guy. It's just been, it brings back a lot of good memories from my childhood. Yeah, I was into sports cards when I was a, like early teenager. So like it would have been like 93 to 97. And it's kind of frustrating that you look back at all the cards you thought were going to be worth so much money back then. But the market was just saturated back then. There were so many sports cards being produced then. So I don't know if I have any that are that valuable. But I was texting you yesterday that my father-in-law has a Hank Aaron rookie card. So we're going to have to. And I looked it up. It's it's the number one most rare Hank Aaron card. Okay. So if it's in good shape, that thing is going to get a hefty payday. 
Yeah. All right, Tyler. Well, it was good catching up. Uh, we'll check in with each other here hopefully soon. And again, make sure you are subscribing to the Free Ballin' Pod. Go on there, rate and review both of our podcasts. And uh, hopefully we have uh, some opti- optimistic news to talk about at some point in the near future because, man, this has been a rough six months. For sure. Otherwise, this is going to be a golf podcast pretty soon. I'm down with that. Yeah. I'm down with that. <laughs> All right, Tyler, thanks for joining me, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. No problem. Glad to be on.